was big and bright. If anyone believed that they were a werewolf, they were howling at the moon that night. Okay, And so we, we looked at that celestial body that is the moon and the, the thing that put Neil Armstrong on the map that made him a household name, um, unless you believed it was all made up in a studio. Okay, Some of those still out there, right? And so there, there's something about looking at the stars, right? It, and this is, this is the basic telescope that we got him. Uh, we're not, not able to... Uh, see if there's intelligent life on Mars or terraform Venus or anything like that, but, uh, but it's, it's what we use. But there's something about looking up at the stars. There's something about uh, looking at the moon that, that can make us feel really small, right? right? That makes us feel like we are uh, but a speck on this planet. And uh, compare that to a microscope, okay? Here we have a microscope, and I, this is a pretty basic microscope. I, I used a microscope a lot in college. I took this one class called histology. Okay, and histology is the, the study, the, the study of microscopic tissue structure. Okay, so basically you were giving, given tissue slides, different slides of different organs, and you had to look at those under the microscope and be able to tell what that was. So you had to identify the structure and also be able to explain the function of it. That's what you were tested on. And so what me and some of my classmates did is we would basically assign one another. We would almost take on the identity of an organ. And we had to argue back and forth why we were superior as an organ. Okay, It's kind of nerdy, but I found a woman who would marry me, and so it all worked out in the end. Okay, <laughs> But, but there, there's something, you know... Two, two different scopes for two totally different purposes. Um, this morning, we are three weeks into our series that we are calling 24, okay? Not to be confused with the series uh, with Jack Bauer, starring Kiefer Sutherland. Um, the following takes place between 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. Maybe there's a few fans out there. But, uh, but what we are doing in this series that we are talking about prayer, and we are dedicating 24 days to prayer. And my hope for us is that uh, we would dedicate more than just 24 days to prayer, but that we would dedicate our entire lives to prayer, okay? But before we get to our entire lives, we probably need to get about 24 days in at least, okay? And so if, uh, if you have been following along, we made a prayer guide. Uh, for us all to kind of pray on the same themes. There's a prayer guide. There's a hard copy at the back and here to the sides if you're interested in one of those. We also post daily on Facebook and Instagram, and we've also been sending those prayer prompts through the app if you're interested. Uh, but we would love it if you want to participate. We're about 14, 14 days in now, uh, but it's not too late, okay? It's not too late to get uh, started on that, just like we talked about last week. It is okay to start poorly, all right, it's okay. Like sometimes people with prayer, they get hung up a little bit. They, they don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want to do the wrong thing. Sometimes that can be a little confusing. And we talked about how, hey, just start poorly, right? Do the best that you can. Pray what you got, right? I, I believe that God would rather have uh, C minus prayers with you every day than one A prayer per month. Right? I, I think that God wants to have that kind of frequency with you. And, and ladies, okay, think about, think about your fella for a minute. Okay, um, He might not be the most conversational being that God has ever created, but I'm willing to bet that you would rather have daily C-conversations with him than one A conversation per month. Okay, 
And if, that's, if you'd rather just have one good one per month and you're good, that's a marriage counseling issue. We're not getting into that today. But, um, but there are <clears throat> two different scopes for two totally different reasons, are they not? And most of the time when we pray, uh, we're, typically, we're typically praying microscope prayers. And here's what I mean by that. A lot of times when we begin to pray, we pray with what's going on with us because that's what we know, Right? And so even, even the posture of looking down at a microscope, you sort of look down, you look within, you're looking at your stomach, and, and you pray for the things that's going on with you. And that's good because Jesus actually tells us to do that. So, so we pray, pray prayers like, Lord, here's what's going on with me. Here's what I need. Help me feel better, Lord. I've been sick. Help, me, help my driveway to thaw out so that I can go to the store. Help my, help my pipes be wrap, wrapped properly. Um, help me, help my kids. I, I raise them differently. I want them to make better decisions. Like Those are the prayers that we pray. And again, those are good, and we pray those because that's what we know, and, and that's what we need in that moment. So Jesus encourages us to do that, and the Scriptures in multiple places tell us to do that as well. First Peter, in chapter 5, verse 6, Peter tells us to humble yourselves, right? There's no more humble position than the position of prayer and asking for help. But First Peter says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. Doing what? Casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. So cast all your cares, cast all your anxieties because he cares for you, right? So, so this is what Jesus invites us into, is that yes, pray these prayers. All these little details that are going on in your life, all these little things that, that some only you know about, God cares about those and he wants you to pray for those and to, to analyze those. But there's also a great big world out there, is there not? Like there's so much happening in our world and we serve a great big God as well. So when we, when we take moments and we begin to, to pray, when, when we move away from praying through the microscope, which is good, and we pray through the telescope, we, we can focus and we can see how big God truly is. We can see the wondrous things that he has done. We can see how big and how mighty and how powerful that we are, how, how powerful he is. And there's a word for that. The, the church has a word for that. When we, when we pray and worship, we give God adoration. We, we adore him uh, because he is wonder, wondrous and because he is mighty. And so when we choose to worship in prayer, we move from the microscope to the telescope, Right? And those are not exclusive, right? In some ways, those actually work together, right? Because there, there are moments where we can be praying over here and we can just get so wrapped in what's going on in our world and praying over the same things that we, that we forget that this, this kind of prayer actually empowers what goes on over here. That when we see how big God truly is and we are reminded how big God truly is, it kind of makes these things, some of these things go away. Okay? It minimizes them to what they truly are. And so what, what is a good telescope prayer? Like what's an example of that that we could see in the Bible? One of the things that we should remind ourselves is that we carry with us, if you have your Bibles with you, we carry with us the prayer book that Jesus used. Now, I don't mean the entire Bible, okay, because some of this was written after Jesus was, was raised uh, from the dead and ascended to heaven, um, but Jesus would have learned many of the Psalms, 
right? Jesus would have learned many of the Psalms, many of the prayers of the Psalm writers. And so um, you can look at Psalm 8. Okay, Psalm 8 is a great example of this. This is a, a song or a prayer written by David, okay? And this is what David says. He says, O Lord, our Lord. Okay, so in other words, you are not just Lord, but you are our Lord. You are with us, that you are for us. How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes. So even even the enemies of God know who he is. And still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have set in place. And so even, see, even David is praying telescope prayers, didn't even have a telescope. Right As we look at the moon, as we look at the stars. And what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. And so as you read that, you can hear that, that God takes little us, we who are nobodies, and exalts us, and he turns us into someone. Right? He gives us worth. He gives us value. Verse 6, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. And so what worshiping God does through the telescope, it, it changes the prayers over here, like we said. Like whenever you can be reminded how big God is, how great God is, how powerful he is, when we come back over here, some of these things kind of tend to disappear, don't they? Like some of these little concerns that we have. But then we also have a lot of big concerns, do we not? Like there's just knowing how big God doesn't wipe away all of this. But what it does is it, it gives us faith. It empowers us. To, to know and to be reminded that God is with us, not just in the big things, but in the small things as well, for the little details of our lives. He has the ability to carry us and to provide for us and to heal us and to make us whole. And so God wants us to do this. He wants us to be here. He wants us to cast our cares on him. But again, if we spend all of our time over here, uh, we, we can tend to, again, like just sort of, fixate on that, make, our work, make ourselves into a frenzy, gripe, we can stew. Uh, but when we see the wonders of God, when we see how big he truly is, it changes the way that we see those things. Right? So we, we talked last week about how Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And when he does that in Luke, when he does that in Matthew, he leads even with this telescope prayer because the opening line to the Lord's prayer right, is this, our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven. So boom, opening line. Jesus is focusing on who God is and how big God is. And he reminds us of two things. He reminds us that he reminds us that God, who God is, and who we are. Right? So God is our Father, and if He is our Father, that makes us what? His children, His sons, His daughters. And, and I get it. Some of us were raised with really great fathers. Some of us Dad was a little hit or miss. For some of us, um, we, have, we have deep scars and deep wounds because of how our father treated us. 
And for some of us, we have no father at all. And so there's a lot of people that have a hang-up with that comparison. And if God is compared to any sort of father, um, that makes their stomach turn. When it's, it's truly the inverse, is that, is that God is the perfect father. Right? We, I, I am not a perfect father. Even those that do their very best will fail and are not perfect fathers. But God is the perfect father. He is the father that you never had. But at the same time, in a paradoxical way, he is the father that you have always had. Right? This is who he is. And, and we hear that today like in our churches. And we don't really bat an eye at it. We kind of accept it and believe it because that's what we've been taught for so long. Uh, this was not controversial in any way. Uh, this was not new in any way. But in Jesus' day, this would, have, this would have had just sort of a hint of controversy to it. Yes, they believed that there was a God. Yes, they believed that God revealed himself as sort of this father figure. But, but, to, but to say that he is their father, to, to address him as father, um, would, have been, would have been had a hint of scandal in a way even. right? And so what Jesus is teaching his disciples is that, not that there is a God, they already know that. But what he's teaching his disciples is that you can know him. That he is a relational God. That he is a relational father and one that wants to have this relationship with you. And so where we often get ourselves into trouble and where we often fret is that we forget that God is Father. That he is a father to us. Because if we forget that God is Father, we forget that we are his children. We forget that we are sons. We forget that we are daughters. But when we call God our Father, we are equally remembering that he completely loves us and that he uniquely loves us. And if you've got kids, you understand this. You understand, especially if you've got two kids of like the same gender, you wonder how in the world can two kids come from us that are totally different? Like same DNA makeup, all these different things. It's like one kid can be happy and bubbly. The one can wake up on the wrong side of the bed every day of their life. Right? Some kids uh, love being around people. Other kids... Don't put me around people at all, right? All over the map. But, but at the same time, parents, we love them completely and we love them uniquely. We love their personalities. We love how God has made them. We love the interests and the things that they are into. Um, and they, they also annoy us in different ways, do they not? Like very unique ways and want us to drink bleach at times. But God is <laughs> glorious in how he uniquely loves us and completely loves us, and, and we are the same as parents, okay? So remember who he is, remember who you are. This is what Jesus lays out for us in the opening line, that he is our father, okay? So our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Okay, when a name is hallowed, it's interesting, I, this is the ESV translation, and, and hallowed is kind of a, a King James almost sort of an Old Testament word, but it, it chose to keep that word because the word hallowed is just loaded with so much significance that, that God is set apart, that he is different, that he is holy, that he is wonderful and great and all these things. Jesus is, is telling us that, that this is your father, but he is, he's different, right? This is your father, but he is not Homer Simpson. He is not Al Bundy. He is not Peter Griffin or Frank Costanza, all right? He is different. He is, he's not even uh, Cliff Huxtable, right? Especially in today's age, right? He is none of those things. He is worthy of our praise. 
He is worthy of our attention. He is worthy of our worship. But that's not always easy for us, is it? Like, it's not always easy for us to, uh, to, to fix our eyes on that because we tend to think that the world is a pretty neutral place. Like, we sort of have to find our place in it. We live our lives. We make our decisions. But the truth is that the world is, is a very congested place, right? Even, even the golden triangle, right? There's a lot of things uh, competing for our attention, competing for our worship, whether that be money, whether that be influence, whether that be popularity, um, maintaining or holding on some semblance of our youth, uh, football, the news cycle, what's happening with the elections. Like there's so many things that, that divide our attention and, and we look in so many different ways and there's so many things that draw us in. And so how do we, how do we pray these telescope prayers? How do, we, um, how do we have hearts that genuinely want to worship? Because maybe you've, you've heard this before, but that worship is, is typically, uh, is often an overflow of the heart, that it's just an expression, an overflow of your heart. And, and it's safe to say that we're not always there, right? We're not always in that place where there's just this overflow, especially if there's a lot of things going on in our lives and we're giving those to the Lord and we're praying about those. It's hard to have just this overflow of joy in us. But, but sometimes adoration, sometimes praise to God is not an overflow of the heart, but sometimes adoration is a rebellion against the ways of the world. Right, Because our world has a way of, of doing its own thing. Our world has a way of relying on a lot of things other than Jesus. Right? They will find any other way to, to soothe that wound, to fulfill that life. Uh, just, just take this pill and everything will go away. Earn this much money and you will be happy. Um, pursue this kind of sexual lifestyle and it will fulfill you. Indulge in these things and you will be happy. Learn this skill, learn this trade, all of these different things like do this and you will be happy, safe, and secure. Right? Reach this level. Like all of these things, the world has a different way of working. But <clears throat> when, we, when we give worship and adoration to God, it is a rebellion against the empty promises that this world has. And there's, there's a wonderful passage that actually speaks on this, this very concept. This is in, I believe it's in John 6. I didn't put it up on the screen. But Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus is teaching to the masses. Like he has this huge crowd, this huge following, right? Um, we're talking arena style. If everyone was there, there's beach balls going up and down the stands. People are doing the wave. Body paint is involved. Like Jesus has this massive crowd with him. But then he begins to, to teach on some hard things. Like he starts talking about um, drinking my blood and eating my flesh, and, and they're not quite picking up what's going on. And so that, that freaks some of them out. Some of them, um, maybe they get it and they don't want to be a part of that. Some of them are totally confused. And so the, the crowd begins to dissipate. And Jesus turns to his 12 and he says to them, do you want to go away as well? And Peter, ever being the spokesman of the group, says to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So in other words, where else are we going to go? Like, you're the guy. You're the alpha. Like, you're the paterfamilias. There's a, you've probably seen this if you follow sports. Um, whether it be like a football player or a basketball player, 
they will, they'll make a big play and they will say, the cameras will often hear them say the phrase, I am him. They'll say, I am him. And so a receiver will uh, catch a touchdown in the corner of the end zone and sometimes the cameras will pick up them say, saying, I am him. Or a basketball player will, will shake the defender and, and pull up for a three, nail it on his way, running back on defense. He will declare, I am him. And so what, what Peter says of Jesus here is, you are him. There's no other place that we need to go. There's no other place that we need to look. And so <clears throat> the response of the disciples was not necessarily an overflow of their heart. They just knew that there was nothing in this world that could compare to Jesus, nothing that could fill them, nothing that could give them hope. Everything else in this world is empty and hollow compared to you. You are him. Nothing else can steady us like he can. Nothing can do what God can do. We, we can't look to the government. We can't look to Uncle Joe to redirect some of those tax dollars our way. Uh, retail therapy can't fix the problems that we have. It might make us feel better for a couple days, but those uh, Lululemon pants will only make us feel good for a couple days. Right? Right, buddy? Yeah. Mississippi State football? Mm-mm. Right? Basketball school, though. We're a basketball school. You're a basketball school. Even the dynasty that is Alabama can't last forever. Right, so, so where else do we go? What else do we do? But, but to the God <clears throat> who closes the mouths of hungry lions, to the God who lets men walk through fiery furnaces, the God who pours water out from rocks and tells blind men that they are not allowed to be blind anymore, who tells dead men that they are not allowed to be dead anymore. Cast your cares and anxieties on the Lord. Do that. God commands us to do that. But know that when you give God praise, like when you focus on, on his goodness and his bigness, right, and how wonderful and all of his deeds, as you go back through the Bible and see all of his wondrous deeds, a lot of these begin to fade. A lot of these things, these concerns that we have begin to fade. But for those that remain, for those that stick with us, okay, you can be assured that he will take care of you in time. And he will resolve that. And he will bring that to a resolution. Because he is him. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Father, we, we glorified you this morning. And, and I get it. There are maybe close to 100 of us in here with 200 things on our minds. Um, we bring those in with us this morning. We give them to you. We cast our cares on you because you tell us to because you are a good father, but more importantly, you are our father. You have made us sons. You have made us daughters. God, forgive us where we have forgotten that along the way. Um, forgive us for, for downgrading you to just an advisor who gives us wisdom, who gives us insight, instead of this all-knowing, all-powerful God that you truly are, who, who holds the winds and storms at bay, who can hold the sun in the middle of the sky, who makes donkeys talk, who makes giants fall, who uses great fish as ubers to deliver prophets like Jonah to his destination. You do all these things, Lord, that are amazing. But the most amazing thing of all is that you love us. You want us to be friends with you. You want us to know you. 
You want, us, you want to love us, you want to heal us, and you want to save us. So Lord, help us to embrace that. Help us to be reminded of your goodness and your bigness and your wonder and your glory as we give you praise, as we adore you with everything in us. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.